Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Welcome back, fellas. Uh, This is Man Challenge. We are in session eight of our fall semester, where we are looking at the Gospel of John. Um, My name is Sam Reeder, and I'm here with a couple guys. Uh, One needs no introduction. You've seen him week in and week out. We just decided to kick him out of the center of the stage. But maybe a quick introduction. As someone who had experienced everlasting sorrow and losses of UK football, Mm. my sorrow has indeed turned to joy. Um, If you guys could be praying for Chris Burke, maybe... That would be worth keeping in mind, but I would that's all I need in terms of So to my left, Mason Bramer, uh, guy you guys know, uh, and to my right, Mr. Joe Donaldson. I would say there is uh, probably a good chunk of you guys who know and appreciate the work of Joe, and then hmm. some guys who don't know him. So Joe, would you mind to just briefly introduce yourself? Oh, wow. Tell them who you are, what you do here, okay. why you're so famous. <laughs> Uh, I'm famous because I've just been here a long time. So uh, my name is Joe Donaldson. Uh, I was on staff at Southeast for about 15 years. And about 15 years ago, I left the employment of Southeast, created a little ministry that does adult spiritual development. And we do retreats. We have a little retreat center. And I teach a lot. And I still teach the Saturday morning men's Bible study and, uh, and a Sunday school class. Uh, we don't call them that anymore, but I still do that. So I just, uh, I'm just a person who loves to teach the Bible and uh, Fun to be, be, be with these two young guys uh, doing that as well. So good to be here. Well, thanks for being here. I uh, am pumped for you guys to get to dive into the Word today with these two guys uh, along with me. Um, but just briefly, maybe this is your first week at Man Challenge. Uh, if that is the case, I would just uh, want to take just a moment to remind you that one of our fundamental goals here is to develop a confident and competent understanding mm-hmm. of who Jesus is. And we believe the best way to do that is to open God's Word and to just search for that. Uh, so that is our underlying goal, goal as we dive in today. Uh, and our hope is just that this would be a, a healthy discussion as we open God's Word and that this would breed uh, into healthy discussion at your tables and your groups as you unpack this together uh, in community. So as we go to the text, I think it would be helpful, Mason, if you took a moment, maybe give us some context as to where we've been sure. so we kind of have an idea of where we are. Yeah, so, so Sam said, session eight, we've, we've spent this entire semester of Man Challenge looking at um, what is often referred to as the final discourse of Jesus, which is John chapters 14 through 17. He's talking to his disciples. We started in chapter 15. We've worked our way up. This week is our last week in John chapter 16. Um, John is, is one of the four gospels, one of the tellings of Jesus's life and ministry and then his death and resurrection. And last week, we kind of zoomed in on um, how Jesus's death and, and resurrection impacts us um, as we experience sorrow and confusion. I mean, that's kind of the, the shortest way to say it is the reality of living in this world is that we as men are going to be confused in moments, um, whether about the world or about God, and then we as men are going to experience sorrow, the sorrow of loss, um, the sorrow of, of pain, of suffering, but through Jesus' death and resurrection, our belief in him, um, Jesus promises to bring our grief to joy. Mm. Yeah, it's good. 
Thanks. So today, men, we will be uh, John chapter 16, verses 25 through 33. So Joe, if you will, will you read that for us and then maybe pray and we'll dive in? Okay. Uh, Beginning in verse 25 of John 16. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you'll ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and, and have believed that I come from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then the disciples says, well, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I, uh, I thank you for this little passage. Uh, all the words just kind of run together as we read through it, but as we slow down, uh, it is a wonderful reminder that, uh, that you are with us and that uh, through your son, Jesus Christ, you have overcome the world. And uh, Lord, help us to read with that sense of victory in mind and uh, the sense of your overall plan. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to open your word, to hear from your word, but most of all, that, uh, that we might hear in our heart and not just with our ears, uh, not just even with our mind, but we might allow your, your word, your truth to speak directly to us. All these things we pray in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So fellas, let's dive into this. Uh, Just taking it right from the top, uh, we can look at the first section here starting in 25. And I think there's uh, some really fun stuff that we're going to get to kind of unpack and discuss. Uh, But again, in verse 25, Jesus is saying that he has been speaking in figurative language, but there will be a time coming uh, where he'll just speak plainly. And I think if you've been tracking with us through the Gospel of John, I feel like this is just a very common, logical Mm. question the reader has, is like, what is up with Jesus' method of teaching? (laughs) Why do you talk Uh, like that? (laughs) Right. And so uh, a few weeks back, uh, Burke even mentioned that Jesus was just exceptional at answering questions with even harder questions. and even last week, you, you had mentioned we talked about uh, why it's so difficult sometimes to understand Jesus. But, I, Joe, I would love to hear a little bit from you on this. That, like, right. as a teacher of God's Word, maybe for just guys who maybe for the first time are getting into the Word, what is up with Jesus' method of teaching and parables yeah. and cryptic language? And what is up with that? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that he doesn't teach like most teachers or preachers that we come across. And, uh, and, and earlier you were saying, so I do think part of it is just his Jewish context, the, the, the kind of uh, storytelling uh, method of teaching within their world. And so that's part of it. But also I think a big piece of it is we're reading the Gospels, we're reading his teaching, his parables, understanding his whole life, understanding that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And I mean, and that, that's, 
that's something that the people he's teaching not only do they not know they can't even comprehend mm-hmm. and 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 we see that his own apostles struggle with the idea of uh, of that so as i think about it i mean jesus is coming into a culture and, and we don't realize how revolutionary his teaching is even mm-hmm. today i, I think we we kind of uh make it a little bit easier to you know he's for us he loves us yes but his teaching is upside down from everything so particularly he's coming into a culture that is looking for a messiah Mm. but their messiah is going to be a military political leader like king david who's going to rally the people and he'll be a human who'll rally the people and they'll defeat rome and jesus says yeah that's not me but I am the Messiah and so they struggle with that he's teaching to a people who are very religious and the most religious people among this religious people are works righteousness people who Mm. are trying to just be better than anybody else to gain God's approval and he says yeah that's not that's not the message he's coming to a culture who very much believes in God Matter of fact, he's their God, and he's, he's not for anybody else. And he says, well, that's not really who I'm talking about. I mean, he is the God of all people. So he's coming into a culture that is not ready to hear his message. Hmm. And so he has to un- help them unlearn everything. It, it, what's striking to me is even like John the Baptist, who was his forerunner and fully God, he's greater than me, follow him. Later, he would have doubts. He would have questions. Is this really the one? His own mother and brothers thought he was crazy. I mean, so it just I just think Jesus' task to come in and say, the whole thing is upside down of what you always thought is much greater than we than we think but it's still an upside down kingdom and sure. we try to fit him into our nice little box so I, I i agree with the understanding of wow i wouldn't have said it that way yeah because but he he just understands how he has to undo our hearts to hear the gospel message that's a good uh, word and I, and I do think also john everything points to the cross and the cross hasn't happened yet. And so it's really hard to explain the good news of the gospel when he hasn't died for our sins and risen to defeat it. So, uh, uh, But, but it's, it, it, is, it is fun to look at it because you go like, wow. Uh, but, and I think also Jesus is not in a hurry because hmm. he knows that really having your heart transformed is going to take time. And uh, sure. so he teaches that way. That's super yeah. helpful. Yeah. An- another thing I think that jumps out right here in this text is in the very next verse, uh, 26, where Jesus says, In that day you will ask in my name. Mm. And that kind of phrase phraseology we've seen come up over and over. Yeah. Uh, and we've even had to clarify in weeks past where he almost, almost, it seems like, hands him a blank check and says, Ask in my name anything and it will be given to you. And we're like, wait a second, Bert did a good job unpacking that. Uh, but I think, I think it, it, it's worth taking a couple minutes to kind of dive back into what Jesus means by in my name. I think mm-hmm. maybe, the, maybe there's some kingdom language to that. Uh, you know, at that time, a, a king could send a representative to a foreign land in their name and their authority, and they could conduct business on their behalf. Um, so I would just ask, just plainly, Mason, if you'll help us with this, what does Jesus, what does he mean by that phrase, in my name, you're to do things. Um, and then just practically what bearing that has on our lives. Like we, we may think that's just a formal closing to a prayer. Yeah. You know, we say our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just habitual that we just say that. Uh, but I would say like if, if we're setting that aside and looking at what Jesus is trying to teach to his followers, you know, what, what should we take away from that? 
Yeah, and we, we mentioned a little bit of this last week, but I think it'll be sure. helpful to unpack some more. Yeah. I would say Jesus' name is shorthand for his divine person and saving work. Hmm. Jesus' name is who he is. So praying in his name is praying according to the character of God. And something um, that is still kind of culturally acceptable today is names have meaning. So one, I think it's fun to help, like, to see what does Jesus' name mean? So Jesus in the Greek, Jesus in the Hebrew, Yeshua, is two words. The first is Yah, the first part of Yahweh, meaning God. The second is Shua, meaning saves. So his name means God saves. Hmm. He actually has the same name as Joshua in the Old Testament book of Joshua. It means God saves. And, and Christ is not like his dad was Joseph Christ and his mom was Mary Christ. That's the, the <laughs> Greek version of Messiah, the word mm-hmm. that, that... So it's a title. It's a title. It sure, is right. um, absolutely a title. It's an, an inaugurable... The Messiah is the anointed one. Hmm. So if his name means the anointed, chosen, consecrated, set-apart one, who is God who saves, hmm. when we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying according to that saving work. Hmm. We're hmm. coming to God not saying, yeah, you know, after a while, crocodile. We're, we're closing... <laughs> In Jesus' name, saying, God, I I am praying to you, my Father, because your Son has reconciled me by his death and his resurrection. And so it it brings a ton practically to prayer. It brings Mm -hmm. humility. Mm. I've got no right to approach the throne Mm -hmm. without a mediator, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. I've got um, humility in that, but in the same context, affirmation. Mm-hmm. The Father loves me and sent His Son to me. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. more about that later. So we're going to kind of see the practical realities of praying in His name. But when you see in the New Testament, doing something in Jesus' name um, is according to who He is. Mm. Is that a sufficient enough answer? Uh, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that was a great answer, Mason. That surprised me with this, uh, uh, how, how good it was. So, uh, uh, but, but also, I think within that, there is that, because it's so easy to just make it a formula, you know, mm-hmm. that, that we, you know, that's just what you do. And again, we're raised that way, and so often I'm amazed at how those things stick. But it's not just a formula. It's not a, uh, you know, a, a, a something, if we do this, God will do this. But there is that sense, I agree with you, that I'm praying in his name because of what he, who he is and what he's done, I can pray. And yeah. to your point, you know, Hebrews, what is it, Hebrews 4, you know, because of what Christ has done, I can go to the throne of God boldly. I have no business going before God boldly, but I can because of what Christ has done. And so I come in his name. And, uh, and I, we, we see that, I mean, in, in our culture, you, uh, when I was, just came here as an intern, I, I, I wanted to use some fence pieces for an illustration with a gate and everything. And I thought, wow, where am I? So I called a fence company, and I'm just, I'm just moved, new in town. I don't know anybody. I just say, hey, but I'm, I probably, I said, I'm like, a minister over at Southeast. Can I borrow some fence pieces? They go, oh, absolutely. I thought, wow, I drove over there. They just gave them to me. Didn't ask for, and I realized, well, it's because I said I was from Southeast. Mm. I had instant credibility. Not on, I was nobody, but because I was coming from here, they said, oh, yeah, you can have this. That's helpful. So I think, it, so when I pray, I don't have any credibility, but I do in Christ. Yeah. And so I can boldly ask God. And uh, to, so I, I, I love that idea to think along those lines yeah. that... Uh, so it's more, yeah, it's just more than a salutation. All Absolutely. in one, it is confession, it yeah. is belief, it is admiration and adoration. Praying yeah. in Jesus' name is much more than a, 
dinner phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I hope yeah. you men are scribbling notes as quick as I am because this is. And we're going to talk more about that in a yeah. second, yeah. Too, yeah. right? We, we absolutely will. So let, let's look at our next verse, 27. Uh, and really, we can take the next few. Uh, verse 27 No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from him. Uh, and just quickly, notice we're talking about names. He says, the Father. Um, so we get, we get this picture that the Father is relationally available to us in and through Jesus. And mm-hmm. We were just kind of talking about in the name of Jesus. Uh, we're going to dive more into that, especially next week as, as we turn to chapter 17, uh, where Jesus turns in prayer to his Father. Um, and really, we'll circle back here again in a few verses when we get to 30. That'll tie back. But uh, verse 28 says, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father. Uh, so again, this here, I think, just kind of screams just a very normal question. Uh, it seems to suggest that Jesus is physically going somewhere. He showed up on the scene, now he's mm-hmm. going somewhere else. Uh, and we often, for those of you who are familiar with the life and ministry of Jesus, most people think exclusively of the cross, and some people think of the cross and the empty tomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, some even talk about the return, but very rarely do we think about the ascension, that Jesus mm. went up to the Father. Uh, at least that's the picture we're given in the gospel. So, Mason, this is a real easy question. Where is Jesus right now, and uh, what's he doing? Yeah, um, that's a big question, especially in a like church culture. You're taught to invite Jesus into your heart. Mm. Is he there? Yep. Hmm. Is, is he, if he left, I mean, where did he go? I think it's a great question. Uh, <laughs> and you can run a lot of ways with it, but Romans 8.34 hmm. is a pretty formulaic answer to your question. I don't know if that's because you're so fond of Roman, Romans 8 right now, <laughs> um, but Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God, there's mm-hmm. the location, interceding for us, there's the, the verb. So we know where he is and what he's doing. He is at the right hand of God interceding for us. And so I'll talk about location briefly first. When Jesus ascended, we talked last week or the week prior mm-hmm. that he sent the Spirit. In, in his, um, his departure, he said, you know, if I go, I'm going to send you the Spirit. And that's the, to my point earlier, the Jesus in our heart is the Holy Spirit living within us. We are a temple of God if you are a believer in, in Christ. But Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, um, meaning He's not like sitting on a throne, looking around, enjoying, feet in the sand, laid back, waiting. Yeah, what's he doing up there? He's, he's, the word in Romans is, is interceding. Mm. Um, another word could be mediating. Joe, you mentioned earlier Hebrews 4 um, that talks a little bit more about that. It says, we have a, a great high priest who has ascended into heaven. So there's the mm. ascension where he's gone. It gives him a title of this high priest. Jesus, the son of God, let us then approach God's throne with great confidence. And if... Um, Jesus' readers understand a high priest to be someone who goes before God on behalf of a sinful people. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, that was all pointing to me, so we can wipe that out of, out of the way, and now I am the high priest, the mediator, going to God. So similar to, you're playing basement baseball growing up, mm-hmm. all the brothers and sisters, sister number three down the line smacks a dinger through the window, break the window, what do we do? We send the oldest brother upstairs to begin the work of reconciliation, right? 
this a parable or is this real life? This is, I don't, I don't play baseball, so maybe my sister could break a window. I don't have that in me. Uh, but we send a brother to, to go before the parents and to begin the work of reconciliation. And what's beautiful about that, we'll talk a little bit more in the future on it some, but that's, mm. you know, it's not a God tapping his foot. Mm. This is a, a, a perfect brother in this illustration going and, and reconciling us, coming with his perfection and saying, they're perfect in me as well. Let me start this work of reconciliation and he completes it in the death and resurrection on, on the cross. Does that make sense? Yeah, so just to summarize, it sounds like you're saying what, what we can be confident of is that Jesus is no longer on the cross. He's no longer in a tomb. He is alive and well and he is actually at the right hand of the Father and he's not just laying back feet up, but he is mediating on our behalf what a comfort that should be to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear people so. refer to Jesus as a brother, which seems wrong. He's God. I can't be on peer terms. Right. But he is the representative of humanity mm. who lived the perfect life, paid the, the wages of the sin that came with us humans, mm. Joe, Sam, Mason, rest of humanity. So that's where we get that brotherhood terminology is he is our brother going on our behalf, doing the hard work, reconciling us to our father for our good. Sure, that's helpful. Yeah. I, I think along with that, though, Mason, uh, even I'm kind of butting in here. Yeah. One of the cool things is he's our high priest, but he's a different high priest because the high priest went and represented the people and that actually kept God distant from the people. That's good. But Christ as our high priest says, I, I'm mediating for you. And by the way, like he says here, you don't have to, I don't have to go to the Father. You can go directly to the Father. He, he's a different high priest. So, so eventually you and the other siblings can come upstairs yeah, and yeah. talk to Dad. You don't have to just go through the mediator. It's, it's, so he's, he's, even though he's the high priest, he's a different high priest than they've ever had as well. And I, I just, again, I think he opens a way for us to have a different relationship with our dad, Heavenly Father, than they had ever seen. So, uh, That's really yeah, good. It, it's, uh, you're right, though. It's a... Uh, uh, he's not just uh, he's not just waiting to come back. He's doing something now. Yeah. But what he's doing now allows us to go right into the throne room as well. So uh, yeah. great stuff. And what an example for us that we shouldn't just be waiting. We should yeah. also be actively engaged. So yeah. and Agreed. before we move on to, yeah. to piggyback on your point of our access to the Father. Yeah. Verse twenty-seven. I know we're going to talk more about the Father in seventeen. But it says the the Father Himself loves you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not a, right. he loves Jesus who loves you, yeah, exactly. which is also true, yes. but the Father himself loves you. And I think, goodness gracious, the amount of men I interact with who um, their lives have been so distorted, their trajectories have been so shifted by uh, an unloving father in some yes. capacity, whether yes. in neglect or abuse or simple lack of uh, affirmation, but seeing like the, the God of the universe who calls himself a father loves you. That, mm-hmm. that is beautiful. And Jesus gives us access to receiving yeah. that love. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back. Verse 30, I think, is where we're at. <laughs> 29. It says, Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Again, remember where we opened in 25. Jesus saying, Though I've been teaching this way, there will come a time that it's plain. And then in verse 29, uh, the disciples say, oh, now we get it. Now we get it. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, They're very confident and assured of themselves. Uh, Joe, I would kind of ask, what does this kind of reveal about the disciples, maybe even it's telling of us, uh, how we kind of make that leap forward in knowledge uh, when I think arguably as we continue to 
walk through this, they still don't really have it. Right. Like they think they do suddenly. They're real right. confident and self-assured, but... Yeah. Like it says there in verse 3, it says, Now we can see that you know all things, and you, 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 know, you don't even need people to ask you questions. It says, Now we see. And so I agree with you that in this moment, they think they have it, and Jesus will later say you really don't. And they certainly won't until after his crucifixion and then that they're really and then the resurrection and even then they won't have it and then the holy spirit comes but i, I think they are uh, one of the things i love about the bible is i go like i could be one of those guys i mean you know we th- it really is like us and i think that sense of ha- having believing that i now i have it and uh, just yesterday i was talking to a, a lady who'd been through some really challenging things and she goes i can see now that all of my life has brought me to this point mm-hmm. and it all makes sense to her now but and i think and i kind of said i said well and i think a year from now mm-hmm. you'll say now i see why all my life has brought me to this point and uh, point. Uh, and, I, and I, I love that one of the men's ministry goals is for men to take the next step in their faith and so we, we can see how God's brought me to this point, but he's not done with us, you know? And so I do understand what I understand today, but boy, I, I, I can just flat out assume that a year from now, because again, God's not just waiting. He's, he's busy to help me to see even more. And uh, I, I'm just, this, just this year, I've had a pretty strong epiphany about my understanding of God. Wow. I'm 60 years old. I've been mm. doing this church thing all my life. I've been teaching the Bible. And I've realized, oh, I didn't have it. I didn't. I had a, back to Mason's point, I had a, a poor understanding of, of God and my Father. Now, it's mm. not that I didn't believe but and so now I go oh now I got it and then I'm like oh well you know what I probably don't have it yet either and <laughs> well that's so encouraging it to is. me I think you know 21 year old Mason thought 18 year old Mason was an idiot 25 year old Mason he was absolutely 25 <laughs> year old Mason looks at 21 year old Mason is like what an imbecile and now yeah. I'm a couple years past that I, I, yeah. that is legitimately grace giving to me because yeah. I can almost look at that negatively hmm. yeah. like, no, I've sure. been an idiot this long yeah <laughs> but really it is in the the theological term for it is sanctification yeah, that's growing our, our knowledge of and our love yeah. for him and we're changed by that so, so I think we can thank God for where I am today that I'm not where I was but I can also assume that I've not arrived and that he's got more things to teach me and again that's not a depressing thought that's that's exciting to think that that God's not done with me and he's so patient and he's going to use all of life to, to reveal things to me. Uh, so I, I think Jesus just must have chuckled as these guys are said, no, we got it. And he's like, hey, you got something. Uh, but, but, you know, just hang in there. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get some more. And I think he does the same thing with us. He's so patient with us. So, oh, it's an endless yeah. well for sure. I'm, I'm yeah. glad you brought up verse 30 because another thing in verse 30 that jumps out to me, uh, you know, we can now see that you know all things and you don't need anybody to ask you, ask you any questions. And this makes us believe that you came from yeah. God. And that this idea of Jesus coming from God is uh, a major theme really throughout mm-hmm. all of John's work here, going back to just the opening chunk of chapter 1. Um, but it, it, it keeps coming up over and over and over a belief that not just that Jesus was a real person, not just that Jesus was um, a guy born in a certain town at a certain point in time, but that he came from God. This seems to be a distinction that John is trying to bring to the forefront of our mind as we read his gospel. So, uh, plainly, just Mason, why is it so critical, then, that we believe 
Not that just Jesus was a real man at some point in history, but that he came from God. Um, I think you could answer that question for like three weeks. There, I think there are lots of reasons. Two sure. that stand out to me. One, in, in this context, Jesus is talking to his disciples who are Jewish. And so I think part one of why he's saying I came from God is, um, hey, this isn't a brand new thing. Hmm. This is this fulfillment of that thing you've always believed your religious upbringing that god is gracious and steadfast and patient and loving i am the epitome of that Mm. he's saying (laughs) who has two thumbs and came from the god that you love so much this like that's what he's (laughs) pointing to is you all i'm not um severing us from the jewish faith i am the fulfillment the messiah Mm. i have come to and you see that a lot throughout John. You see mm-hmm. Jesus fulfilling, he's fulfilling the scriptures. So there's that kind of scriptural motif. I think for us, I would, I would say it just reveals the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Because in the church, we, we um, I say at Southeast too, we, we rightly talk about the goodness of Jesus' death and resurrection, the grace that he gives us, how he's paid for our sins. Um, but in that, we can almost undermine or forget the father who sent him. Mm. he's saying I was sent sent by who a, a mad guy upstairs who's tapping his foot waiting for you to talk about a broken window sure no John mm. three sixteen, the father God mm. so loved us that he sent me and so mm. I think that is Jesus is continually when you talk about the trinity the, the father the son and the spirit mm. the spirit is revealing Jesus who is reconciling us to the father who's sending the son and the spirit to there's this love of God mm. that he's inviting us into Hmm. I guess it'll work. Makes sense. No, I think that's great. Uh, So yeah, let's look. Very next line, uh, verse 31. Do you now believe? Jesus replies, "Uh, a time is coming, this verse 32, in fact, has come when you'll be scattered, each to his own home. You'll be alone, yet I am not alone. My Father is with me. Again, hanging in the text, we open with Jesus is saying, I've been teaching kind of cryptically. There will be a time when it will be plain. Verse 29, the disciples are like, oh yeah, now we get it. And now we believe. And then verse 31, Jesus is like, oh, now you believe? Okay. Uh, and maybe I'm reading a little bit of sarcasm into that. Uh, so you all can call me on that. But I, I kind of resonate with this because I feel like there are things uh, that... I feel like we all experience this, that where we feel like if I just had that answer, Mm. then I could come to the point of belief. If I could just have that understanding, if I just knew the reason this happened or why this has not yet happened, then I can come to belief. Um, I'd love to hear from both of you uh, if that resonates with you at all. Um, Maybe maybe just fundamentally, why does it seem like we're wired that way uh, and or... Maybe an example of how you've experienced that. Mm. So before we answer, Sam, share, share with them what you shared with me. Because I'm going to work off of that. So I, before we started this, I told Joe that um, three days ago on Monday was my sister's anniversary of her passing, which was 16 years ago. And actually tomorrow is her birthday. She would have been 35 tomorrow. Um, there's been hmm. seasons on and off throughout the past 16 years where I feel like, God, if I just had the understanding or the reason why that happened, then I could more fully believe that you are love, yeah. that you are all-powerful, that you are all-knowing, because it doesn't seem to make sense to me, but I feel like 
if I knew, then I could, I could, I could have no leaks in my boat. Yeah. I, I could fully believe. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I, I asked you that is because I, when you shared that with me, I just thought, oh yeah, that how. Because, you know, again, we, we say, well, God is love and, and he cares for our people and, and we teach and preach that. Mm. And then when life doesn't feel that way, doesn't look that way, then it kind of knocks us off of our, uh, you know, and we, there's so many people who struggle with what happens, why do bad things happen to good people if sure. God's such a loving God? Uh, and so I, I, I think that is such a common thing that, and they're going to face this because when he dies on the cross, they, they, it doesn't make oh, yeah. any sense to them. And now they don't believe. You know, they're, not, they're really unsure because it doesn't fit their nice little understanding of God. And uh, I, I, you know, so instead of answering your question, I'm going to say, I think uh, we see that throughout Scripture and we see that, see that in our own lives, is we want everything, we want all of our questions answered to take that next step. And, and I think God is always saying to us, trust me with what you know. Mm. And, and it, there's always, all of life is a leap of faith. Uh, and, uh, and that is, uh, that's, and, and, you know, and, and he says, in this lifetime, you'll, you'll not understand everything. When that, uh, I mean, walk back to the garden, right? Yeah. Genesis 2, Adam and Eve wanted to know. And, that, and what, that knowledge brought was a yeah. lack of faith, and I think that is where I see my own walk yeah. consistently called to Proverbs three, five, and six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Yeah, that's the my dependence mm-hmm. can be pushed towards intellectual capacity, ability mm-hmm. to formulate. But He says, God says in Jeremiah, "My ways are higher than yours." Yeah, yeah. You, or Isaiah, you, you don't you don't think the way I do, and so therefore you you can't on this side of eternity perceive all mm-hmm. and i mean that i that has been i think that is <laughs> the pilgrimage of christian faith like yes. for me sometimes it's looked like god why, why wouldn't you just show me you're real yeah i don't know put a cloud in the sky put a cool thing on my dashboard play a song on the radio and sometimes he has yes but other times he doesn't give me a sign mm-hmm. other times it's what's my future hold mm. I'm, I'm if i could just know right what you want me to do Mm-hmm. then I'd believe. And that is what we're doing there is we're putting a crutch. Mm-hmm. We're replacing our faith in, in God with faith in, we're using God as a um, means to another end. Sure. Mm-hmm. I want to know my future and you're the only one who knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Joe, you mentioned the, the disciples are about to experience this themselves and Jesus is really kind of foretelling of that. Verse 32, a time is coming where you're going to be scattered, mm. you're going to be isolated, you're going to be alone. They're going mm. to be in hiding. They're going to think everything is lost because their 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 teacher, their rabbi, their Messiah, all of their hope was in this guy, and then he's going to physically die on a cross. Right. And and they're going to be left scattered and alone. Um, and yet, even in the midst of him telling them this is going to happen, at the end of verse 32, Jesus says, "Yet I'm not alone, and my yeah. Father is with me." There's like this this underlying tone of encouragement mm-hmm. that even in the midst of your situation, you're going to be scattered and alone. I'm not alone. The Father will be with me. I would be uh, encouraged to know of a season maybe, Mason, where you have felt that way, scattered, alone, isolated, yet, whether in the moment or in hindsight, the love of God was ever-present. 
his hand was ever involved it was it was steadfast even when you maybe didn't feel that way yeah yeah i one i think that's been my entire walk with him mm. <laughs> is him whether in the moment or in retrospect or still in, in currently yet to come moments where he's revealed his loving kind presence I, the first one that pops into mind uh right out of college i worked for um a little um, organization in Missouri, and I, I traveled all the time. So I'd moved away from home. I was always traveling. Um, I didn't really have community where I was living, and I was in a, in a really, really dense and paralyzing season of anxiety. And I remember thinking, <laughs> I, I can think of specific plane rides where I got on there and thought, you know, I'm, I'm by myself. Like, there's nobody who understands, mm. there's nobody mm. who cares, there's nobody who's close enough, even if they did care, to do anything about it. Um, and I got involved with a counselor who pointed me to the book of Joshua. And Joshua, um, it's actually, we didn't plan this, but that's your, your further resource in your participant guide and your table leader guide this week is the book of Joshua for similar reasons, but a little bit different. But in Joshua, over and over and over and over again, God makes a promise to him as he leads a people. And I learned was, was making a promise to me. Mm. That is, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be, will be with you wherever you go. And I remember thinking, I mean, I was traveling all over, <laughs> nonstop, and thinking, um, not just I've got a plane companion, I've got the God of the universe who is more aware than I am of my current circumstantial strife. Mm. Mm. More aware than I am of my magnitude of fear. The fact that I'm not eating, I'm losing weight, I'm, I'm crying three times a day. He knows. Mm. He's present. And he promises in his presence, you see this all throughout scripture, God's presence eradicates fear, isolation, loneliness. Mm. Um, and I'll say, I mean, that, that season pushed me into the book of Psalms which we studied, if you were with us, back in the spring, um, where I got to see real humans experiencing real emotional turmoil and over and over again, them relaying that to God and then seeing his faithfulness in it. And, and as I continued to trust in him, I began to be able to sing those songs with him. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is faithful. I, I was in the pit. I was in the mire. I am in anguish but you have proven faithful over and over and over again. Um, and what a different picture than an angry dad upstairs tapping his foot mm-hmm. waiting to, to execute wrath and judgment yeah. over a broken window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. So Joe, bring us home in verse okay. 33. And this is, if anybody's familiar with this passage, this is kind of the, the famous tagline. Uh, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We love to take catchy verses and uh, put them on a bumper sticker. I yeah. don't know if you all have got this one on your car or a t-shirt or what. Uh, but I think it's just this such a great opportunity to maybe speak to just the nature of the gospel that uh, Jesus is saying, you will suffer, yeah. but take heart, I have overcome the world. Yeah. Well, it, it, as I read that, it is a beautifully just put together passage because it's kind of like I got good news and bad news right so so the good news is uh you know uh that in me you'll have peace and that is incredible because these guys are about to experience uh a lack of peace uh 
they, they think they're already experienced, but you know, Jesus is about to die on the cross, all this stuff, and he says, but, hey, but, but in me you have peace, and that's the good news. But he says, yeah, but the bad news is that in this world you'll have trouble. And so he's saying, listen, guys, this isn't going to go smoothly. For you. Life is going to be challenging. Mm. Uh, and even, uh, you know, being my follower doesn't take away difficult circumstances. So he says, in me you have peace, but in this world you're going to have trouble. And if you're not experiencing trouble right now, just wait, because there'll, there'll be some trouble coming along. And, but then that next line is, but I got even better news, mm. is, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. So the world's going to give you trouble, but I've overcome that. And, and again, and, and, and that's where we're living right now. We're still in the world, but he says, hey, but I've overcome that. And so we know the, the final score, as it were, mm. but we're still in the game. Sure. And, and I just think that's, that's just really, really challenging for us to live this life knowing that, uh, that, that this life is still challenging, but still remembering God's peace. So, so as Mason's telling the story about being on that plane, uh, you know, being able to say, oh, but, but I have peace in him. Mm-hmm. And now he's, he's off that plane now, but now he's married with the, with the child, and so he's going to have new challenges. But that, that God of peace is still there and stuff. So understanding that, that, that I know that he's won the game. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm just... Real quick, a little story that, that illustrates that really well for me. Mm. When I came here 30 years ago, um, I'd lived in California for two years. UK was on probation. This is long before Mason was born, but UK basketball was on probation. And they weren't on television at all. So I hadn't seen a UK tele- a basketball game in a couple of years. We moved back here. The season starts. It was about this time of year, you know, late fall. And it was one of those early season games. It was before every game was on ESPN, before the internet. And so they were going to have one of those delayed telecast games. Mm. You older guys would understand this. They used to put on games at 11.30. And so I didn't want to... So it was a Wednesday night here at church. Went to celebration. Didn't talk to anybody. Didn't turn on the radio when when we left. I wasn't going to listen to the game on radio so I could watch it that night. I had picked up earlier today a two-liter bottle of RC Cola. I remember that. And some type of chips. It was going to be a big deal. I was going to watch a UK basketball game. So we're driving home. And my wife, out of the blue, says, wow, good game by UK. They won. <laughs> She's not even a basketball fan. And she just blew it for me. I thought, what are you doing? And she goes, yeah, and Mashburn fouled out even. <laughs> so she told me that UK won. And she kind of told me what happened. And I was really frustrated with her. So, uh, you know, I, I get home and... And, you know, she went off to bed, and I turned on the television, a little frustrated, because I knew what was going to happen. So I was watching the game. As I recall, I think it was a MAC team, maybe Ohio University, but they were pretty good at that time. And we're, I'm watching the game. It's back and forth. It gets into the second half, and UK falls behind. And, mm. and I should have been anxious, but I knew what the final score was. Mm. And then Mashburn fouls out, our best player. I should, I, so I realized I'm watching the game. And I should have been anxious because the circumstances were dire, but I knew what the final score was. Now, again, I don't want to over-trivialize your struggles in life. Mm. The stuff about your, about your sister. I, I, there's so many hard things in our life, and I don't want to put a nice little bow on them, but we do have to live going, yeah, but I know that he's overcome this world. This is not it. This is not the end. And so I know what the final score is. And so can I trust in that? Mm. It makes and, me... It makes me think, throw another illustration on here. I, I love learning about World War II and you could. Why is this I, 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 a nerd? I do as well. But the, the majority of battles <laughs> lost can either be attributed to 
an overestimation or an underestimation of enemies. Hmm. People either retreat in fear or they go in. I mean, you think of the Eastern Front. Germany heads in, headstrong, and Russia's like, hey, P.S., it's cold. Yeah. You're going to lose. But that, that kind of reality that the Christian faith brings, that Jesus puts on the table here, it's like hmm. smelling salts. Hmm. Hey, you've got enemies. Turns out they've got a greater one, and he's on yeah. your side. Yeah. Right? That kind of mindset is... Yeah. Um, it is sobering, but also affirming yeah. to your point in the, in the same token. And I, man, in the midst of, it's not cliche to say this, of COVID, of job Absolutely, loss, yeah. of a yeah. recession. I mean, goodness, fellas. Yeah. The strife that we're hearing. We, men's ministry has done more funerals in these last eight months than we have done my entire time here. Hmm. There, there is loss everywhere. Yeah. But he's overcome the world. Yeah. This is a passage for 2020. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and every year before and every year going <laughs> yeah, forward. Yeah. But, but we see it in this, in this year. He's, it's going to be hard, but mm-hmm. he's overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Let me pray for us. Uh, yeah. We'll throw the discussion questions up on the screen afterwards, but let me close this in prayer. You guys can get to it. Father, thank you for uh, the fact that we have a high priest Uh, who welcomes us into the presence of the Father, that we have a mediator who is active and engaged um, and sets the the tone and the example for us. We thank you, Lord, um, that in the midst of our struggle and pain, that we have a champion who's already won the war, who uh, calls us to victory and calls us to life um, and service through him for him. Uh, Father, I pray for these men as they dive into your word that they would see Jesus for who he is as revealed in scripture, uh, that they would marvel at that and that they would build their lives around that reality. We pray, Spirit, that you would do that good work in and through us and we ask that for the glory of your name, Father. It's in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.